Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life. And the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Today, we've got a banger of an episode. We're going to be talking about infinite banking. And again, I've had a couple of shows on this infinite banking, but more importantly, we're going to talk about some other concepts that I think you're going to really want to pay attention to. We're going to backdoor into understanding the world of banking and why you should be paying attention. But we're going to be talking about Colby, how to use Colby, why Colby is important, predictive index, about having family banking meetings. How are you going to teach your kids? If you're looking to grow wealth and you want to make legacy wealth, you're going to have to start having some conversations with the kids. Because if you don't, They'll destroy your wealth in one generation, and we don't want that. So, guys, you're going to want to pay attention to this episode. My good friend Richard Canfield is going to come in here, and he's going to deliver some fire. He's got a lot of knowledge. He's got some great stories and a great background, which is much like mine. So he really is doing it. He's living it. He's breathing it. Guys, you're going to want to miss this episode. Before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Shelly Peterson, Corey's better half. My husband shares amazing stories of the good, bad, and ugly of apartment investing. And while many of you want to do this yourselves, we have found that a lot of you would like to invest alongside with us. If that is you, I want to invite you to get on a short webinar where we discuss our deal room and how you can be a part of our private investor club. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar and register now. You won't be disappointed. Again, go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar, and we look forward to sharing our private deal room with you. All right, guys, we are back. This is going to be a great episode. Let's go. Hey, Richard, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, happy to be here, man. Hoping uh, we're going to have a blast and add a lot of value to all your amazing listeners. Yes, this is going to be fun. So um, before the show, we were just talking about just a little bit of different ways to make money, mentorship. We talked about a lot of good stuff that we're going to share today. But before we get to that, though, can you give everybody a brief introduction about who you are and a little bit of your backstory? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I'm a recovering electrician by trade. I'm still recovering. I'm hesitant to turn on a light switch these days. But that was my past life. And I grew up in a family-owned business. So anyone who's read like Kiyosaki books and the cash flow quadrant, we were very much operating in that S quadrant, you know, the Superman grind, 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 long sleepless nights type of environment. And so all I really understood was working hard. And I thought that that was the path to success and that that would bring me everything I want if I could just outwork every other human being around me. It's all, everything's going to turn up aces, you know, was kind of the thought process. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been through that experience to some degree. And what I realized in that, reflecting back on it today, now that I have good coaching, good mentorship, and surrounded by amazing people, not that I wasn't surrounded by amazing people before, but I was surrounded by people that were in that environment. And so until you can raise yourself above the environment in which you operate, you can't see things around you in a different light. I talk about like, not that I've ever really been in a helicopter, but it's the idea of getting in a helicopter and going to like four or 5,000 feet. So you can look down at everything around you, you get a different perspective. And the people around you that you surround yourself with, how they think, how they act, has an impact on you and your own thinking and your own actions. And so- More than you'll ever know, right? Totally. The grind, grind, grind hard 
hey, that can work in some instances. You want to be able to have that skill. You want to be able to have the gumption to be able to do that. But that's not the road that's going to produce necessarily a lot of happiness in you. It's probably going to produce burnout and probably stress and probably potential health problems and then relationship problems and all kinds of other things. So knowing that you can change the way you think and therefore the way you act has been a huge benefit to me and then being around the right people. Something that's been a huge advantage of that. And I meet with a lot of high-performing real estate investors, multifamily investors, a lot of clients in that space. And a lot of them join coaching programs, much like I do. I believe that I need work. (laughs) I'm in like three or four, right? Yeah. I'm not etched in stone. I'm something that's still being chipped away at and refined around the edges, as I think we all are as we go through life. And we want to be around people who want to better themselves. And so I'm a member of an organization called Strategic Coach, which I absolutely love. Dan Sullivan, shout out to him. And the thinking that he produces and the group environment around that has been phenomenal. In fact, I I just got back from Santa Monica the other day last week. I was down there with my coach group and around some incredible people doing some big things. They're thinking bigger. They're acting bigger. They're changing the way they think about lifespan, the way they think about enjoying their life, the value they can provide to the world and the value they can provide to people like their family and the legacy that they leave. Now, let me stop you there too. Like, Let's just unpack that just a second, because if you think about it, my dad was a middle-class roofer, right? Blue collar all the way, right? And we were conditioned to an environment that says, you do what you're told, you work hard, but we were just chasing checks every week, right? And now I'm so glad I got that work ethic right? Dad taught me work. I think you got the same thing. You're like, I understood. Got it, right? The challenge that we have is if you want to move to a different level, you've got to change your thinking. And really what you're saying is look at who you hang around with. Because when you really start to look at it, if you want to change your perspective, you got to change the people. And you start hanging around smarter, better more qualified people that are doing what you want, where you want to be, something magical starts to transcend. And that's what you're getting into. Because you just came from an event where you got leveled up. Leveled up. And you're leveled up by your own thinking, which is often a product of the questions that you're asking yourself. And sometimes you don't know what question to ask unless you have a good coach or you're in an environment where you're being coached up by other people. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to be the dumbest guy in the room because that means I'm in a really good room of people, right? As always. And if you're a multifamily investor and okay, maybe you're doing 10, 12, 14 unit buildings, but there's a guy over there that's doing 100 unit buildings and doing condo conversions. And there's a guy who's over here doing offering memorandums and putting together packages or bringing mass investors across the board. They're doing different types of projects. And those are the projects you want to go to. Well, you got to go be in that room. And if you're not in that room, that's why your show is so amazing because you're bringing people on, you're helping to lift and raise the bar for how people think about their multifamily journey and what's possible because you bring someone else who enters a new possibility into your life. You're driving down the road, you're hearing this like, boom, I didn't think about that. That's a possibility. I'm going to look at the description in the YouTube video. I'm going to click that link and I'm going to go and talk to so-and-so and see how I can level up my own journey. And that's the power of not just the podcast space, but your show in particular and being in a niche environment. It's not like you're listening to the general radio and you're just hearing everything that you're able to come here and hear about multifamily success. Right. And then how to take that in and bring more of that into your own world. It could be the smallest thing, the slightest little trick about 
you know, something that saves water cost on every unit in your building. And then you do that on 10 different buildings. And that all of a sudden is an amplifier on future cash flow for every year for the rest of your life. Like something so small can make a huge difference. Yeah. It had a cap rate that makes sense. You're like, oh my God, I just made millions. Yeah. And now the value, because you improve profitability and cash flow, well, maybe that also has an impact now on value of each one of those buildings, right? So there's so much power in human capacity and shared experience. And the way that we amplify shared experience is we get to listen to the shared experience of others. And a platform like this allows you to do that on at 2x speed driving down the road. Yeah, exactly. Let me hit two times and go, right? And also too, there's never been a part of a, either a coaching group or that I've been a part of it has not yielded like a 10x factor, right? Like you go into these things, you're like, okay, well, this is a good group. I like some of the people. But when you get really involved and entrenched in it and you really start to embody yourself, it is like, wait a second, this is way radically different. That's how I've come into each everyone that I've been in. I came in kicking and screaming like, ah, I'm not sure. And then you just show up. And then the right people are usually in the right room and they start telling you stuff and you get stuff involved. And the next thing you know, you're like, well, man, I'm going to do this, this, this. I'm working on myself here. I was in one mastermind where they were like, they're talking about your time stealer, your phone, right? And they're like, uh, you know, giving some techniques on how to create more productivity, like just really getting into time blocking. I've never been a time blocker. I'm a time blocking son of a bitch right now, right? <laughs> and beautiful, right? Give me more time, compress it to be able to use it. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that's great about, again, every coach or coaching program is different. The people are different. But one thing I love about Strategic Coach as an example, and there's many organizations that are similar to this, they almost create a bit of a barrier of entry. It's not because it's exclusivity, but you need to earn a certain income to be there. And there's a price tag to be there. Well, that price tag is an admission to a room of amazing people. And so what you're paying for isn't for the coaching program. You're paying for who's not in the room. Yes, there it is. Right. And so you're paying for the ability to have a higher level, higher value conversation and to be in a room full of people that want something more with their life. They have ambition. They think differently, right? Totally. What's really resonated for me this has always been in my core. I just didn't understand. I probably couldn't articulate it, but it's getting much more clear to me is that I have an immense value of ambition and it's not just my own. It's what I recognize in other people. So if you want a bigger and better life for yourself, but you're not doing anything to get it, I'm sorry, you're probably not going to go anywhere. I don't want to break anyone's bubble or anything. So don't send the hate mail to Rich or whatever. But the reality is you got to get off your butt and do something, or you need to go find a who that can do something for you on your behalf. The power of who power. And Dan Sullivan's book, Who Not How, incredible read if anyone hasn't done it, as well as his most recent book, which is 10x is easier than 2x because you brought up 10x. And the thinking to go and solve a problem with a multifamily project or the type of project you want to get into, part of your real estate goals or whatever your business, you want to solve a problem or you want to go to a 10x level. The thinking that can double your business or double your portfolio isn't the same thinking that can 10x it. Yes. So you have to change the question that you're asking and change the resources. So the thing that you're solving for, and then if you just eliminate everything else and you solve for that thing, well, now all of your energy is going into a 10x zone and the potential amplifier to everything that you do goes up because you leveled up your thinking. It's amazing. The power of this little thing between our two ears, 
when you put it into work and put it into drive and step on the gas, things can happen, right? And it helps when you're in the right rooms to help guide you when you're going hell's bells down the road, right? Because I've seen also a lot of investors not have any directions. And it's like, as entrepreneurs, the problem we have is a lot of times the white rabbit syndrome, right? We go, oh my God, we can do that. And sometimes it's like, when you get to the powerful mind, you're like, I can do anything. But it doesn't mean you should do everything. Right. You got to learn the power of one word, two letters. No. You might be able to do it, but you might not be the right who to do it. Exactly. If you really want to do it, you can find someone else to do a lot of it for you and you can still get it accomplished. You could check a box and you can move on and do another thing. And it's funny that we talked about, again, your dad being a roofer, coming from a construction background and farming communities, the self-employed Superman model of getting things done, head down, grind, grind, grind. Well, the way that you solve problems in that environment and that thinking is more hours. Work harder, more hours, put more effort in, sleep less, spend less time with other people, et cetera. The way that you do it in the 10X world is that you spend more hours thinking. You work less and you think more, (laughs) right? And so you're just reallocating the energy. It's all about energy and how you apply it into your life. Similar with financial energy. There's financial energy circling around you. It's yours, the money, the cash flow running through your life, or the investor dollars coming towards you, or the collateral dollars that you're getting from a third-party bank or a lender. It's all financial energy, and then you're allocating it in some way. How efficient are you allocating it is part of the learning journey, and you learn more about that as you go. That's where my journey took me out of my electrical career towards understanding and learning about the infinite banking concept and how to take the power of cash flow energy and reallocate it more efficiently in your life to do more with the same dollars. Right. So as we got into kind of the money side of the things too, is um, we brought up Colby, right? Like understanding who you are, or at least like when we were trying to build teams, start building organizations, you talked about something that would really help individuals. Let's expand on that. Yeah. So the Colby Index, Colby A Index, uh, K-O-L-B-E.com was created by Kathy Colby. In my opinion, it's phenomenal. There's lots of, I guess, assessments that people can do these days. And a lot of them are very personality oriented. Colby is not personality oriented. It's instinct oriented. It's about your natural instinctual way of getting something done. How do you get shit accomplished? Okay. If left to your own devices and there's no outside influence, like an employer or someone else kind of, you know, pulling the strings to some degree. I first learned about that. It might've been in 2010, somewhere in that range, 2011. And uh, it really revolutionized thinking for me. And it actually codified and clarified that there wasn't anything wrong with me, (laughs) right? (laughs) For a good chunk of my life, I thought, man, like, why is it that I just can't stick to a schedule? Why is it that I keep getting these speeding tickets? Why is it that this keeps happening? And that's not happening for other people. And you'd have other ones say, hey, man, like, why can't you just stick to the plan? Well, the reality is I'm not supposed to stick to the plan. I'm supposed to modify and change and tweak. And I'm not built that way. Yes. Experiment. And I'm supposed to take a plan that someone else made and turn it over upside down and come up with other solutions on how the plan might work and then get everyone to see if they agree to a different way of getting the plan done. So I'm the visionary. Right. Visionary. And so the idea of how Colby shows up in my life now and doubling down on that knowledge base and getting more clear on it, and then also having conversations with other people, understanding what theirs is, my spouse and colleagues and team members. It's like when you get into the real estate space, talk about your multifamily, you're talking about cap rates, you're talking about 
net operating income and the noise, different language that isn't used maybe in residential real estate. It's not used in different categories. So you're operating at a different playing field of language. Colby is another way that you can do that around how you get stuff accomplished, especially yeah. with teams and in your organization. Like maybe you've got operations manager, you've got like a manager that manages about your buildings. You might want to know what that person's Colby is so you can find a little bit more how to amplify their natural gifts. Yeah, what they're already good at, like how they like to solve, right? We use that with another thing called predictive index is what we like to use as well. Kind of the same concept a little bit is like your accountant person is going to be different from your general sales manager. Those are two extremes, right? And so those, they have totally different Colby's or predictive index tests, right? Because they have different streaks of what they're naturally just gifted at. And when you find people that are in their natural state of this is who I am, they're so much happier when you put them in the spots they wanna be at. And sometimes recognizing for ourselves as owners where we're at is probably your biggest lesson that you'll ever get. Whatever it is that you're doing in life, having a better understanding as to how you go about achieving those things can give you intellectual shortcuts. I used to think I was a quick start. I was like, oh, I'm a quick start. And the guy's like, um, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just backtrack. Remember when you were going to do this, and then you did some research, and then you did this, and you did that, and then you did this, and he goes, and then finally, you're like, okay, yeah, let's go do it, right? No, no. You had to get data first, right? My biggest was the data. So like, you get data, and then you act on it. But like, you're not a quick start, bro. Quick starts... Don't even need the data. They just go do it. Yeah, it's a ready fire aim model. Yeah. I'm more in that category. I'm a three, two, nine, seven. So nine being the quick start. And I'm also very high on in Colby. There's, you know, four core numbers. There's no good or bad in any of them. It's just about how you intersect with those numbers. I'm very high in the category called implementer, which is how you deal with physical space and tangible things. So I own a lot of tools and I know how to use most of them. Now I don't get a lot of chances to use them. And now that I have a business that I pretty much spent all my life on Zoom. I have to change the tools that I use. So I use a lot more softwares and online related things, but I also have gadgets. I've got like, I got to be keep my hands busy. I got a spinner here and like, I got things. I got a trampoline beside me, which I didn't want everyone watching my head bouncing up and down while we're having a conversation. I got a walking treadmill. Like I got stuff all over the place because I need to have gadgets and things around me. But I now know that that's the case. Whereas before everyone just thought it was weird. I'm like, okay, weird is cool. Like I'm happy with that. But now I have a better understanding. These are all things that help me engage my brain in such a way that it allows me to stay focused in a spot <laughs> so I can have a good conversation. <laughs> so it was so funny. I was on a meeting with my team on Friday doing some training with them. Then I had the trampoline going. So my head's just bouncing and bouncing. And I'm like, look, guys, I'm going to go rapid fire. I'm going to download a bunch of stuff at you real quick. So you're going to have to take notes. We're going to record it. You're going to have like an AI summary later, but I'm not going to stop bouncing because we got to go. Like there's things we got to do. And that energy, though, it's a way to get energy both amplified and exerted at the same time. And if I sit stagnant, what ends up happening is I go to sleep. Yeah. I have to be moving. I got to make the energy work to my advantage. And now that I understand through the usage of Colby, how I'm best designed to utilize that energy. Certain energy recharges quickly, like your ability to go through data and like look through troves of information and like probably spreadsheets is extremely high. And that might energize you to a degree, but you also do need a break, but that'll recharge for you quickly. Yeah. When the quick start category, that's the quickest to recharge. It does burn out to a degree, but it also refills the tank very easily. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. I was just thinking about like, I call it my creative zone and you're like bouncing, you're like, 
get you into like, okay, here's what we got going on. For me, like when I go on hikes, right, and I got music in my ears, like I'll be listening either to a book or just sometimes just music, but I'll be in my mind, in my business, working on it, right? And it's like, it's the craziest thing. And I come up with like, I'm solving what I call complex problems and seeing my vision through of, well, this is what I need to do. And then I come back and they're like, oh God, Corey's been on another hike, right? <laughs> I'm one of those thinking walks and he's going to throw some curveballs at us. Yeah, here it comes. Here it comes. We're ready for the download. Everybody's like, all right, here we go. But that's the cool thing is that because you process information a certain way, but others receive it in a different way. And so when you have that awareness, obviously we all know that everyone learns differently, but then there's also how do we take what we learn and then we implement it. We move that into a reality in the world. So on teams, understanding the way that you need to give information to certain people, like I don't need a ton of information to go. You could say, this is what we're going to do. I'm like, cool, I'm ready to start. I'm just going to start doing this one thing. Whereas other people, you know, they need a checklist. They need a pretty good list and they probably have an idea of what's at the end of it. If it's not put in a format like that, it's really hard for them to know where to begin. There's my controller. My controller comes up and she's like, whoa, hold on. No, no, no. What ramifications does this have on things down the road? Like, have you thought about that, Corey? And I was like, well, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I know when I go to her, I got to have a way better plan than just, you know, two hairs and some air, right? Like, this is not a Bob Ross painting getting ready to go down in 30 minutes. We better have some functionality in what's going on. A little refinement around the edges, right? Yeah. You're baking a cake. Don't just hand them the flour and the eggs. Like, okay, give me the recipe. Give me the recipe, right? So I find Kobe is one of those things that if you're not using it, you should, by the way. I think it's a great, great tool. It's an amazing tool. And these are like your gadgets. These are our tools, right? So like Kobe's a tool, understanding your people, predictive index, all these things help business owners figure out how to navigate the complexity of people. We know ourselves most of the time. We kind of know who we are. But when you start infecting it with other people, that's when it gets complicated, right? Now, I want to bring this into families because uh, one of the things you were talking about was family banking meetings. And now, A, you got my attention right there because I've been talking money and business at my kitchen table since my kids have been born, right? Let's talk about what that looks like from your perspective. Hey, would you like to learn more about Kahuna Investments in our deal room? Let's do virtual coffee. Book a 15-minute call with us so we can learn more about your investment goals and how Kahuna Investments can help. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee to book your call today. Again, that's kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee. Let's have some virtual coffee and get to know one another. Well, the idea of a family banking meeting really spurred from my mentor, R. Nelson Nash, who wrote the book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And Nelson was, in my opinion, an enigma. He was one of the most incredible human beings to walk planet Earth. And he inspired me in a lot of ways, but he also taught me a lot of things. And the things that he taught me weren't just exclusive to his book. It was really a lot about character, et cetera. And I'll use this in a real estate analogy. So imagine for a moment, Corey, I'll circle this back into family banking meetings. Imagine for a moment, you have a 17-unit building and a 28-unit building. Okay, Maybe they're in two different parts of the city. You've got them. They're fully paid for. Okay. And they're growing in equity every single day, right? Regardless of the market condition, regardless of the next election, regardless of the interest rates, the market value is increasing every single day. If you sold the buildings, you would receive them tax-free. In fact, you kick the bucket, you're gone. We're talking about you in the past tense, all right? right. Yep. The 17-unit building 
sells instantaneously. It doesn't even have to get put on MLS. You don't have to call the realtor. There's no realtor fees. It bypasses probate. And Corey's family receives the money from the building, the full equity tax-free. Sounds like a pretty good deal so far, right? Yes. There's still a 28-unit building. It's still paid for. And if the family needs access to more money, it's still producing a cash flow. It's still growing in equity. But if they need to tap into any of that equity, they can do that with basically a phone call or one piece of paper, and they could access up to 90% of the appraised value with no questions asked, no paperwork, no credit checks. Does this sound like a pretty good way to own real estate so far? Yeah. What we're talking about is property, but not property in the physical sense of the word. We're talking about property by the law of contracts, whole life insurance contracts. Nelson Nash had, when he passed away, 45 whole life insurance contracts. 17 of those contracts were on his life. He was the body. He was the insured person. 28 of them were other bodies, family members and business partners. Most of the business partners were ex-real estate partners, by the way. So when Nelson passed away, 17 death benefit checks were paid tax-free to his wife, Mary. Boom, like that. The other 28 policies are still in force. And the ownership Nelson was able to dictate from beyond the grave, because he set it up in advance, who would receive ownership over those assets when he was gone? His three children, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren. Now, when I talked to him in the month before he passed away, he was talking about how excited he was that he was able to go get another contract on one of his great-grandchildren before he passed. He was lit up. 88 years old, the guy was lit up how excited he was because he understood the generational impact. He says, you've got to learn how to think long range. Learn how to think three generations down the road. The same idea of 10x versus 2x applies to time when we think about the impact of your lifespan and what you can do here, not just with your energy and your effort, but with your capital. And if you recognize that you can apply capital over generational lifespans and control the outcome, the whole thought process of how you utilize the money today begins to change because you can have a bigger impact in your world and the world that you leave behind because of the people you love and care about. So that circles back to family banking meetings. If Nelson passed and there was no education to his children or his grandchildren or his great-grandchildren, what's going to happen with all the money? They're going to piss it off. It's all going to go away. So his son-in-law, David, amazing guy, a good friend of mine, unbelievable guy. He's the head of the Nelson Nash Institute. I'm an authorized practitioner and I'm on the council for the inaugural practitioner council for that organization. When they receive the death benefits, many of the policies that he has in his own family system, which is 26 or 28 of them, I believe, were started by Nelson and he inherited several of those. Okay. And so they were able to pay off a bunch of outstanding policy loans they had on these insurance contracts, reset them back to zero which is basically like starting an insurance contract or buying a piece of property that you've got paid for that you actually acquired 30 years ago. Just imagine you bought a property today, but it was like you bought it 30 years ago and it was paid for. It's the same correlation because it's all about equity. It's just a matter of where does the equity live? Does it live in a physical piece of real estate or does it live in an insurance contract? And you know, there was policy loans outstanding that his kids still have. He didn't pay those off. Because the kids bought cars, they need a car to drive on the road just like you and I do today. Well, they finance all of that through their internal family system, car payments and car purchases. So all of the money stays in a family aquarium. It never leaves the family. All the car payments go back into the system. And every once in a while, somebody dies. And it's a self-fulfilling scenario. 
when Nelson passed away and received death benefits, he didn't pay off the loans to the kids. He says that's their responsibility. They got to pay those back. They've already signed a contract to make that happen. Because if the money was with Wachovia Bank, they'd have to make the payments to those guys. So you treat your family system the same way that you would have to treat the open market system, but you create more financial energy. But you're creating the ball that's moving forward. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes through time. All the money stays in the family, never leaves the family, as long as the family understands its value and its importance. So my kids are five and seven. All right. My daughter will be six next month. And we've now had two family banking meetings. Now, what we do is we go on a vacation, family vacation. And obviously, we're going to have a great time when we're there, pool and all that good stuff. But there's a period of time set aside where specifically we're going to have a family banking meeting. Now, I'm talking about this from the young kid standpoint, but we have our clients and we're teaching them how to do this. In fact, we're writing a book about this right now. And it's going to be all about how you host family banking meetings and you take this idea and move it forward in time. And all of it stems back to the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and what we learned from Nelson Nash. So I have this book with me. The kids know about this book. They understand this guy right here, Nelson Nash, is kind of like Santa Claus. Kids understand characters like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and so on and so forth. And so we create an environment where they think of Nelson in that way. They're endeared to him and what he's taught the family. So my kids understand very simply that when we take money from the family banking system, I ask them, hey, we're on vacation. We had a good time. We celebrate all the things. Tell me about all the things you love being here. My wife makes sure that they have the treat that they want so we can keep their attention at five and seven years old. (laughs) Okay. And they go on and on about all the amazing things that they did and that they have with their friends and the pool and this and that and the other thing. And then guys, what is important about us being here is that we're here as a family and we get to have a chance to talk about how we're able to make this happen. The reason we can make this happen is because of kids put their hands up, the family banking system, dad, boom, high five, high five, big hugs, celebrate, celebrate. They're getting it. Awesome. Okay, guys, we took money from the family banking system because it's for the whole family. What do we have to make sure we do? We have to put the money back in, dad. Boom, high five, high five, celebrate. Yeah, we got to put the money back in. Why do we put it back in, kids? So we can use it again later, dad. It's so ridiculously simple. And those three simple principles and basics, my kids don't understand what insurance policy is. They don't know where they know about investment real estate. They're starting to learn some of those very preliminary things, but they don't even need to know. All they need to understand is that we operate differently than the rest of the world and the money stays in the family. And as the money stays in the family, so does the prosperity and we get to carry it forward. And so we teach people how to have these conversations as they grow older, the kids get involved in hosting things. They talk about taking policy loans and repaying them for the things that they purchase. They're going to talk about setting plans and goals for how we want to grow the family's wealth over the next year, over the next couple of years, where are some projects we want to get in, talking about our giving. These are all things that get to come into play when you have these conversations. See, one of the things that I think has been like the thumb pushing down on North American society is money. Yeah, Money is not the root of all evil, but it is often the root of much of our stress. And because it's the root of our stress, people might associate it with bad things to some degree. It creates tension in household relationships. Nobody wants to talk about money in the family. And generationally, that's been kind of a faux pas to do over time. Yeah, taboo. Yeah, exactly. We got to break that thing loose. We got to take a sledgehammer to that rock that's weighing an anchor, weighing everyone's ass down with their financial life. Well, that's what's killing us is financial illiteracy. 
And the way that we do that, in my opinion, is we elevate the quality of conversation with our family about money by celebrating what it does for us. And we connect emotionally good experiences with the conversation of money. If every time that you talk about money with the family, you're having a good time and a good experience, how is money ever going to be bad? It's like a Jedi mind trick for the families talk about money. And if we can teach people and coach them up on how to do this effectively and understand that money can act intergenerationally in the way that you do things, you not only become more prosperous, but you reduce and eliminate your need to tap in to the big fat government system that's sucking everybody dry. You can create true independence by disconnecting, seceding from a system that's not designed to support you. Well, that's a great little segue. Listen, the challenge with most families right now is that they don't have these types of discussions at all. And as people that are listening to this podcast, we're talking about building wealth. And this is how wealthy people think. You know, I'm one generation from a hard time. Like my dad was a roofer, so is Rich. That's our story, right? But my kids, totally different. They didn't grow up the way I grew up. They've had plenty of wonderful family vacations, right? And they understand how we got there, right? Like they understand how it works. Maybe not in that aspect, but we've taught them about money and you have to show them how generous you have to be with that money too, right? Because they need to see the whole landscape. But that is our leaders for tomorrow. And to break a generational curse, you have to do something extraordinary, right? And if it starts with just your family money meetings, banking meetings, family banking meetings, what a great place to start as you move with your family into that level of kind of just move into, it's okay to talk about money. Because for us, it was always taboo. Yeah. Similar for me growing up, Corey, I had the same experience. And you've probably heard the expression rags to rags in three generations. And unfortunately, that's a consistent trend. And so it's difficult to break that trend. And the only thing that's going to change it, it's not the amount of money that we generate, earn, or whatever. It's the thinking that we use along the way. And I'll give you an example. This applies to, of course, business owners and certainly real estate investors. Well, I don't know the last time you looked in the mirror on the back of your neck, is there a best before date stamped on the back of your neck? So you don't know when you're going to go and neither do I. Some point in time, I'm going to be called home. Okay. And the day I walk off planet earth, there's a series of sequence of events that are going to be triggered that are going to go into motion, but that is a sequence of events for all people. The day that you walk off planet earth, every single asset that you own is considered sold on that day. Your 401k plan, your tax qualified plans, your shares and corporations that you own. If those corporations own real estate, as an example, all that stuff has to be valued. And then there's going to be a tax paid on that value. Now, for most people, the biggest tax event of their life is in their death. That sucks. That's brutal. And the problem is we leave behind people who often aren't used to managing all that stuff. And they certainly don't know whether, plus they're emotionally distraught. And so what happens is, especially for business owners and real estate investors, you spend a lifetime building it up and the IRS or the CRA in Canada tear it down and they leave a wake of damage in behind because you only got roughly six months or so to file the final tax return and deal with Uncle Sam. Now, for a lot of people, they have to access money to pay that bill. Well, where's the money going to come from? Usually from assets, which means you've got to sell it off. Well, you're selling your assets. Yep. When you started learning about real estate, Corey, when you hear see the words estate sale, what comes up for you? Yeah, cheap. Cheap, opportunity, 
So we're trained to look for these opportunities as we're growing our portfolio. Well, your opportunity is someone else's pain. Now, I'm not saying that it's not okay to find a deal and make a deal happen. They need to sell because there's a reason for that. It's because the kids don't want to deal with it. It's the need to raise capital. They got to pay the tax man, blah, blah, blah. But it means that someone is taking their life energy's value proposition and they're discounting it. And they don't even know what's happening because they did poor planning. Well, when you create an environment where a boatload of tax-free money shows up that they could have worked with their whole life anyway, and it comes up when it's needed most and it solves problems, what it does is it buys time. See, time and money are interlinked. You can't separate those two things. It's just a matter of the relevance point to your life. And you buy that time so that people that you love and care about that are emotionally triggered, they got the ability to make good decisions. They're not forced into making crappy ones. So you don't have to sacrifice what you spent a lifetime building up only to see it decimated at liquidation. A business owner, business owner is going to leave the business only in a couple of ways. They're going to get sick and injured. They're going to die or they're going to sell the business voluntarily. Guess what? If they die, they still sold the business. It was just involuntarily. The IRS isn't going to take shingles and doors and whatever, commercial roofs and eaves troughs. They're not taking any of that stuff. They're not taking trucks and vehicles. They're only going to take currency, which means everything you have has to be converted to currency, usually at a quick time frame to be able to take care of it. And that's where people get into a lot of trouble. So again, this is where the conversations about family thinking come into play. Because if you could choose, you know, there's a great book called The Brower Quadrant. It was written by a guy named Lee Brower. And He talks about some different mindsets of people, but he says, look, if you could choose to leave behind your money, your experiences, or your knowledge, but you can only choose one, what do you choose? The experiences, I would. I'm with you. I would choose probably the experiences because with the experiences, the knowledge is implied. You can get all of it. You can get the money back. Yeah. Okay. And so money isn't going to solve anyone's problem the understanding of what you went through to get the money and how they go about doing it themselves will. And that's where these conversations come into play. And being able to just be more mindful about the usage and where we warehouse money even comes into play. You don't want your money warehoused in someone else's bank if you could own your own. So there's things that you can do as an individual, regardless of what stage of life you're at, to begin implementing these processes incrementally. Rome wasn't built in a day but you can start the journey. It has to begin somewhere. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I've really appreciated your time and kind of just giving us a little bit. I know we briefly touched on the infinite banking, on banking concepts, but if people want to learn more about what you do in your company, wherever they find you at. Well, best thing I'm going to do here, I'm going to give away this book, Cash Falls Leader. This is one of our most recent bestsellers. It's Uninterrupted Daily Growth with High Cash Value Life Insurance. It even has pictures. And uh, has a great case study in there of a client of mine, um, you know, taking a passive income and using their kids' policies to do that as well, and then leaving behind a generational legacy. So the kids also have a passive income. We have actually have an example right in there. They can go to cashfollows.com. That's cashfollows.com. And for anyone who really wants to understand the core of what Nelson Nash taught, best bet is to get our seven-step report on how to actually begin the learning journey to understand that there is some learning involved and learning is good. You go to sevensteps.ca. That's sevensteps.ca. It's borderless. It doesn't apply to Canada or the US. It's North American understanding because fundamentally, this is about how you have a deeper and greater level of control over your day to day financial decisions and cash flow while creating generational thinking at the same time. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Listen, 
thanks again for coming on the show and just giving some really great examples some really good feedback. Just overall talking to your kids and Colby and I mean, you name it. So what what advice would you give to anybody that's new out there that's uh, either looking to get into entrepreneurship or multifamily experience? What would you tell them? For me, I'm a little bit biased on this, I guess, but it's getting a copy of the book, Becoming Your Own Banker. It's only 92 pages, roughly three hours of your life that you dedicate to discovering a way to move capital. So whatever it is that you're going to do, everyone should be in two businesses, the business in which you generate your living and the business of banking. Of the two, banking is the most important. The problem is we're all banking now, but we're doing our banking business with somebody else. So once you fundamentally understand that you can change that dynamic, every other thing in business and investing that you want to do going forward has a different context. And you can be in a more powerful position with all of that future decision-making power ahead of you. And so if I could go back in time and get a copy of that book 10 years earlier, I could only imagine where my life would be today. Right. Understanding that knowledge is power, right? And then being able to act on it. So you've already mentioned two or three books. Any other book besides the one that's right behind you and the one you just promoted? I'm a huge fan of 10X is Easier Than 2X by Dan Sullivan and Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Once you recognize the power of who power, there's a who in your life that can help you amplify what it is that you already do. And if you start thinking about so thinking, how can I get this accomplished? Start asking the question, who can help me get this accomplished? It opens up massive doorways. It cracks open a new pathway of thinking in your brain. Amen. All right. It's not just all up to me. It's let's create the team. Let's create the people that will do it and probably do it better in a lot of retrospect. So again, thank you for coming on the show. Guys, listen, this is the show where we bring you these types of podcasts where we don't just talk about multifam. We talk about different ways, different ideas, different thinking. Richard said it best, you know, it's like you get around people, the right people, and it'll change your life. And so that's the kind of guests and the quality guests we keep bringing on this podcast, guys. Success doesn't happen by chance. It comes up with an idea. You got to take that idea and go for it, guys. If you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible. Mm-hmm.